Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily, and what a treat I have for you on this edition of the podcast. For a long time, you've heard me talk about the wonderful work that Steve Barone is doing documenting strange phenomena all over the Las Vegas area. In fact, his YouTube channel is called UFOs Over Vegas, and it's very popular. You have to go there and see his clips you should really subscribe because you'll want to see all of the new research he has coming out. Steve lives in a house more or less on the edge of the Red Rock Canyon. That's the western side of the Las Vegas Valley. And he has this breathtaking view of the entire area. And due to a UFO encounter he once had on the balcony of a cruise ship, and we'll get to that, he now uses the deck of his house as a UFO observatory here in Vegas. So Steve is now retired, and so for years he's just gone out on his deck at night using a variety of cameras to document the strange things flying around here and heading back and forth from Nellis Air Force Base and Area 51. Well, I met Steve when I was working with Murray the Magician, who has a big show here on the Strip, for a possible TV show, and Murray tried all his tricks to see if he could fool Steve, but none of them worked. Steve knows the, dif the difference. He can rule out airplanes, helicopters, drones, fireworks, you name it, and that's not easy in one of the brightest cities on Earth. So I have personally investigated with him on his famous deck, and we even witnessed a UFO together. People around the world are buzzing about his work, so I am delighted to say, Steve Barone, my friend, welcome to the program. Joshua, my gosh, what an introduction. I mean, that is fantastic. I, I, I love myself after that. <laughs> you just take me around with you wherever you go, and I'll step out in the top hat, and I'll do that every time before you take the stage. <laughs> okay, well, no, it's, it's a real pleasure to finally be uh, – you're a guest on your podcast. Um, I mean, I, I, I got to say, Guy, I love you, man. Well, thank you. I love you, too. And, you know, I've been telling people for the longest time, you just wait till I have this guy on because everybody loves you, especially once they get to talk to you and see the approach that you take and the wonderful work that you're doing. So let's just start with the basics here, Steve. What's the story of your life? Where are you from, and how did you end up here doing this? Yeah, well, you know, I'll just probably, I'll try to keep it as abbreviated as, as <laughs> right. possible, uh, because I could get into a real long, boring story of my life. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was born in southern Colorado in a little town called Alamosa, and Alamosa is known for being the coldest city in the lower 48 on average. So, yeah, cold place that I was born. But anyway, um, I grew up moving back and forth with my mom and dad and my, my two brothers and my sister uh, between Vegas and then southern Colorado. Um, unfortunately, my parents, they were... They were kind of very unusual for their for their generation. They were just people that wanted to to have a good time, meet movie stars, uh, drink, gamble, smoke, 
And so we were we were in Vegas a lot. But I think my I think they had a problem with gambling as well. And when the money ran out, we would pack up and go back to Colorado where they might work as a chef and a waitress and you know, all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, I grew up without just, you know, having any really anything stable. We're not the best of parents, but for me, that put me in a good position to kind of decide how I wanted to be. And it wasn't rocket science. I just always tried to do the right thing. Now, uh, growing up, I went in the Navy during Vietnam. Uh, never went to Vietnam. Um, but I went to uh, Europe a lot. I went to the Caribbean a lot. And I just got to learn how people are around the world. And I got to where I really love people, no matter where they're from. Um, but anyway, UFOs were never a big deal to me. It was always something that I did believe in. And I always wanted to see them, um, especially when you hear about something like, you know, the Phoenix Lights. Uh, but anyway, I it just... I got to a point where I was already 57 years old and I thought, you know, it just isn't in the cards for me. I'm not going to ever really see a, a UFO. And wouldn't you know, you, as you mentioned in the intro, that I was on a cruise with my wife and we were up in Canada on our way back from Halifax, Nova Scotia to New York City. And back then I used to smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke anymore, but... I'm glad I did because back then, uh, it was about 9.30 at night. It was October 13th, 2011. I went out on the balcony to have a cigarette. And that's when, um, just out of nowhere, this light comes from the south heading north. We are going south, maybe 200 feet away from me, eye level. And the only way that I can explain it, Joshua, is that to me it seemed like a, a giant crystal in that all of the edges on it seemed to have some sort of faceted edges. There were no windows, there was no lights, nothing. But that, in the short time I saw it, that was the impression I got. More of a what we've been talking about in other uh, conversations, a tic-tac-tac shape, but on the end, it was sharp and more pointed. Uh, so anyway, I saw this thing. It went down, got on top of the uh, water. I thought it was going to go into the ocean, but it didn't. It stayed right flat near it, went around the back of the ship, and was gone. So in my mind, I'm thinking that's probably from start to finish, maybe seven seconds, but I didn't blink. And I knew for sure that I just had the most profound experience of my life because how close this thing was to me. Um, it took me another day to figure out why I could see it, even though it didn't have any lights. And that's because on that next day, I went out there again. And this time, off in the distance, I see another cruise ship. And it's lit up like a Christmas tree, which reminded me so was our ship, and that it had so many lights that our ship was reflecting off of this object. Ah. But, um, Joshua, the thing that really caught me was the fact that it didn't make any sound, because it was a, 
I would say if you took like a school bus and plumped it up a bit, that's how big it was. And no sound, nothing, just not even a faint noise at all. And so now just to give people a little more insight on your point of view, I know you spent some time in the military, and what did you do as your primary occupation throughout most of your life? Uh, the biggest part of uh, my life was working in the computer industry. Uh, I worked from 1984 all the way to 2002 for a company out of San Jose that manufactures uh, hard, hard disks for hard drives or memory right. platters, however, whatever you want to call them. So I basically got to see that technology go all the way from its beginning to almost where we are now. Okay, and I think it's important to point that out because it says something about the fact that you're, you, you've lived your life and you, you understand sort of this rational point of view on how to evaluate something like a UFO more than, say, somebody who might be a painter or a sculptor or, you know, somebody who lets their imagination perhaps run very fluidly on a daily basis. I mean, you're a very analytical person. In fact, we'll get more into that later in our, our interview because, uh, I, you know, you've even debunked some of your own videos. But so, okay, you saw this thing. It obviously inspired you. You, you, you. you have this burning curiosity. And you actually said that you chose the house that you have here in Vegas in large part because you knew you were going to use this deck as your own personal observatory with this huge sweeping panoramic view. Is that right? Yeah, not. I, it was mostly because of the view, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked at about 30 houses when we were home shopping here. And we're only about the same price range, but I found this one online, and there was one photograph. You know how they have all the photographs with the home. There was one photograph that showed the city. It showed Las Vegas, the Strip, from the backyard. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe they have a view, you know, uh, because it had everything else we wanted, it, you know, the right number of bedrooms, no swimming pool, easy to maintain yard, and a view. I mean, I could have got the same, a better home with another garage port and a larger footprint for the same price, but I didn't do that. I wanted this for the view. But I would never realized that it would be used to spot UFOs. And this was after... <laughs> It was well. No, it wasn't. After I bought the house before I ever saw a UFO. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was in July of 2011, and then we went on the cruise in October of 2011. So we had the house for a few months when we went on that cruise, and then the second UFO didn't happen until 2014. But that one was here in this home where you've been. Well, you know, it's funny because nowadays we live in a world where you you go outside and it seems like 70% of the people are staring down at their, their cell phone all the time. And you have pointed out that being a smoker, actually, for you, and I'm sure a lot of other people, has increased the odds of seeing UFOs <laughs> because you step outside and you look up at the sky while you're having a smoke, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me uh, say first of all, do not smoke. If you want to, just pretend to smoke and go outside 
and and look up because because smoking's bad. Um, I'm I'm almost two and a half years now of being a non-smoker, and I feel so much better. So I highly recommend that to my friends. You know, live a long life. Pretend to smoke and go outside and just just look up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, now, when you realized that you were in this perfect position to start videotaping what was happening over Vegas, what were some of the earliest things you captured that started really getting your juices flowing, making you realize, man, I think I've got something special here? Yeah, you you asked a great question, Joshua. Uh, The first thing, well, first of all, I was very excited about catching my first capture on my telephone. I, I caught that in April. Um, that was on, in April. I got that first video, turned it into MUFON, and it eventually came back as an unknown. I had to fight for it, but it was deemed to be an unknown, and that's their highest classification. Then I started really getting interested, and that's where I decided to make a little group because I didn't have anyone to talk to. You know, because in my family, most of my family could care less about UFOs. I didn't have anybody to talk to at all, even friends. And that's why I got the group started. But once I did that, then I started looking at stuff. And I noticed Nellis is going to have a red flag exercise where all of this training is going to go on over the test range, which I know I can see a lot of from my home. And... uh I heard that's going to have all this military stuff there from all over the world. And I thought, you know what? I mean, although I'm not a UFO nut, I do know that UFOs are attracted to nuclear sites, to unusual uh, events, all this kind of thing. And I predicted, and this is my group of about 50 people, that, that UFO activity here will increase so that I'm going to put a little more time in on it. Well, Joshua, I did, and I, all I had was my still my phone, because this is July. This is now July of 2014, and I what I did is I, I just shot these videos, and it looks like just a black sky. But when you darken the room and realize what's going on, is there's these what I called flashers and blinkers. I didn't know what they were, just flashers and blinkers. And I, I, I had quite a few videos of them, about three or four videos. But I sit there and I take that video and I go frame by frame to see if I can see what these things are. And wouldn't you know it that by the time I got through about 100 screen grabs, I must have had 20 different beautiful colors of these, like what looked like orbs. And I turned all of that into MUFON again. and. Something happened where I turned the first report in. I didn't know what they were, but the second report I turned in was me after me looking at all those screen grabs. So I made two reports, and I told them they should combine them, but they didn't. They they investigated them separately. Both of those were deemed to be unknowns, and they even used the word orbs. So that was three for three. And I thought, wow, 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 you know, this is, this is amazing. And then I started thinking about, you know, that uh, we're in a city of over 2 million people and that if, if 
if abductions are real, if, if UFOs are real, if they like nuclear sites, Area 51, all that, I says, I'm going to invest in a camera, and I'm going to make this a job. And my new hobby is I'm just going to go out every night, right when it gets dark, right before it gets dark, and be ready. And this time, hopefully, I'll catch the mother of all UFOs, and that I'll be able to get that on videotape and be ready. Because, Joshua, the one before, the first one that I shot video of here, if if that could have been on video when I saw it, everyone would, their hair would be on fire. It was amazing. It was amazing. It, it, it actually scared me. I mean, it stopped just after it went over our home, and I thought it saw me, and it was coming back, because it did. It started reversing, and then it stopped again and went forward. And this was not a drone. This, once again, was bigger than a helicopter. And, and all I could really see was this bank of crimson red vertical lights. There was like 20 of them side by side, uh, beautiful red lights moving in that direction. And I was trying to get my phone out to get my camera going uh, while this thing was going north. But, you know, this stuff happened that was so amazing that I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a job out of this. I'm going to come and document everything I can, and I did for three and a half years, and I'm still doing it, just not at the same pace. But I had, I know, more than a thousand nights in three and a half year period where I spent hours outside each night, and I documented a lot, and a lot of it was um, really good stuff. And then there were even things that I did that turned out to be something else. Um, and I, you know, will never post a video that I think isn't a UFO. And I try to be very critical about it. Yeah, and I want to remind everybody listening right now that if you have access to a, a computer or whatever, and you want to start just going through and looking at some of Steve's footage while you listen to this, just go to YouTube and search for his channel called UFOs Over Vegas. He has thousands of subscribers all over the world, and you can sit there and just, I mean, I'm telling you, you could spend you know, days just looking at the stuff he has. But before we get into some of the more outstanding UFOs that you've captured and what they, they may mean, uh, I do want to point out more of what you just said. You had some UFO footage uh, that was presented oh, I don't know, um, at least a year or so ago. And I saw it, and I said, whoa, this is amazing. And I showed it to the guys at the Discovery Channel. Okay, These are people who've been in the, the film and TV business for over a decade, and they all said, whoa, this is amazing. And we were excited about presenting this, and you said, well, well sorry, guys, uh, I had to debunk that. That's just headlights from traffic. And we said, What? And we, we, we thought maybe you were just being too critical of your own work, and, and we thought, well, maybe uh, he's just being too reserved. And then finally you explained to us how that this amazing-looking phenomenon was indeed created by traffic lights. And I got a little tear in the corner of my eye, <laughs> and I thought this – no, actually, you know, I, I thought this is a great learning tool 
This is a wonderful example. And, you know, we have a, 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 an episode of a program on the Discovery Channel that will be coming out next year, and I think that they're going to include this video as an example of how something can be really astounding on the surface when you first see it, even if you're an experienced analyst. But you just really have to, to be dedicated to finding the truth, to look at all possibilities. And so you took that step of taking down your own video because you wanted to only present things that honestly could not be explained. And, and that's a very admirable quality. And do you have anything to say about that approach to your work? Yeah, well, thank you, Josh. Well, well first of all, you know, these first two sightings I had, uh, I swear, it, it, it had to be something out of the same level as what happened to Richard Dreyfus in the movie Close Encounters. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was that profound to see what I saw. Okay, those two removed any spark or any hint of any kind of a doubt that I ever had that UFOs are real. So when I decided to do this, I decided that, first of all, I really believe in what I'm doing, and they're real, okay? I'm not going to take the approach that everybody else has taken. They're real, and I, that's my whole point right there. I'm going to want to show people that we have something amazing that is real that is going on. Um, you know, no hype, no sensationalism. Go out there and try to get the best shots you can of these things and just keep on going, but make it a numbers game. In other words, if, if all you do is go out one night every two months and you have to drive 300 miles to go get somewhere to shoot the night sky or shoot, look for videos, it's understandable that you're not going to have a very large collection of videos. But when all you have to do is go out your back door and set up your cameras and be on guard like a, like a sentry, just watching the sky and shoot video of everything you see that you think is even close to a UFO so that you'll have it all on, on video, uh, it's a numbers game. And if, like I said earlier, if, if, if abductions are real, if all of this stuff is real, then it should happen in Las Vegas. And I should be around to try to capture that on video. And I have been. And I, I can only imagine what I've missed. Because I'm not oh, somebody yeah. that gets out, you know, out of bed at 3.30 in the morning to go out there and stand there and freeze to death for three hours, you know. Um, I just go right after sunset, and I can stay out there all the way till 1 in the morning if it's really an interesting night. But be honest. Just go out. You know, tell people what you see. Let them decide. I, I go crazy when people tell me, well, that's this or it's that. And when it's like, well, you're, in, you're an armchair quarterback. You're at home. You're telling me that's what it is. I don't know what it is. I, I'm telling people I don't know what it is. But look at this. It's amazing. So um, you have, and I'll be the first to admit, though, that I make mistakes. Uh, just like every other human being in the world, and that I've had videos that I swore they were UFOs. But the better the video is, the better you better work at debunking it yourself to prove that it is good. And that's what I've always done, and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. But I'm actually glad I have, because 
that kept me interested and motivated to go outside every night for three and a half years. Uh, so, okay, well, there are so many videos that you've shot. Uh, there, I have not seen all of them, and, I mean, gosh, we could probably you know, talk for hours and hours. So let's just talk specifically right off the bat about a couple of my favorites that I've already talked about on this podcast. So people who have followed this podcast will ha- probably have already seen these. For one, there was uh, one that was just re- uh, fairly recently captured that I described actually on Jimmy Church's show as uh, the Vegas Tic Tac and, uh, you know, like they, everybody's talk, talking about the Tic Tac UFO related to the USS Nimitz. So I called it the, the Vegas Tic Tac UFO, and then I believe Jimmy decided to rename it the Good and Plenty UFO. Um, how would you describe, like, tell us about when you captured that. And Well, first off, describe what it is. Use some theater of the mind here for those who don't have the benefit of seeing this or haven't seen it in a while. Describe what it looks like and tell us everything yeah. about how you film that. Yeah, well, what, what happened, Josh, um, is that I'm out there just like I do. I, I take my cameras out and I watch. And with binoculars, I locate what appears to be an orb, a white orb, over on the other end of the valley, on the north side of Las Vegas, where the, the highway would be leaving Las Vegas towards Reno. But I have a clear view over there into the mountains, and I watch this thing as it's coming. And I think, okay, get the camera on it. So I get the, you know, the night vision monocular on it. And I'm watching this thing, and I'm looking through the eyepiece because that's how you see in there there's no screen or anything and i'm just following this thing and shooting video of it and all of a sudden i see a white streak go through the video and i know immediately something amazing just happened that i finish out to where i lose this orb-like object it goes into a location where i my camera could not see it because of a tree and because of my house So that was the end of the video, but when I got that thing inside, I immediately wanted to find out what that object was, and lo and behold, is it the first actual description I gave it, I thought of Tic Tac, and then I thought, oh, that would be a sensationalizing it, and I called it cigar-shaped. But realistically, if you imagine maybe just a fat piece of chalk at school that's been used on both ends it's round it's it's just like that it's it's a amazing looking thing it appeared to be internally lit or glowing i don't know if if it was either one of those and then there was some sort of stream of something coming off of the back end of it you know, and I, I'm always telling people don't automatically assume. Well, I did myself. I called it propulsion, which it may not be. Um, so what is it? I've had a lot of different ideas from other people, Josh. I've heard people say it's a mothership for the, the tall whites. I've had all kind of things, angels, demons, uh, you name it. I've heard a lot of different explanations and so when this thing shoots from right to left, and again, it looks 
just, just imagine, folks, imagine a white tic-tac, and, and you, you see very nice, clear edges on this. And so this is not like some shape that is being necessarily blurred or distorted because of the motion itself. I mean, you can see there's a nice, clear, smooth, well-defined edge, and then you have this sort of, like uh, Steve says, a little plume to the right that's behind it. And it was completely silent, okay? You did not hear a noise. And you know what's no. funny, Steve, and, I, and I, I know it's okay for us to say this. Okay, so this episode that's coming out on the Discovery Channel, uh, it's Rob Riggle's new show. Discovery's already been promoting it. And, you know, Rob Riggle, he is a well-known comedic actor. He was on Saturday Night Live. He was in, he's been in a lot of movies like The Hangover. But just because he does this comedy, a lot of people don't realize that he actually was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines. Uh, for many years and saw a lot of active duty in combat. And so he has been around uh, every type of aircraft and missile you can imagine. And Rob Riggle sat right there next to you and me in your office and, you know, putting his military cap on, so to speak, and watch this video. And he said he had no idea how to explain it. He said the closest thing it looked like was some kind of a, a missile, but that didn't make sense because, for one thing, you wouldn't be shooting any kind of a missile right here in the middle of this highly populated town. Secondly, it didn't make any noise. And, uh, and third, I mean, it, it, it really didn't look exactly like a missile. He couldn't figure out what this thing was. And so when you look at something like that, that's a little different than just, you know, seeing some weird light that you can't explain. There's a structure there. And by the way, Steve, a lot of people who do ghost hunting have sort of hijacked the word orb. So they'll use that term very broadly, and they'll talk about yeah. it in terms of yeah. things that may end up yeah. being insects. When you say orb, no, you're just talking about a ball can. of light. Yeah, yeah I was thinking it's a ball of light. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but, but, it's, but it's interesting. So you were looking at one thing, this ball of light, and then that thing shot by. And uh, you know, you, you, if you use your imagination, you can almost say perhaps this was some kind of a probe uh, or a drone or whatever that's sort of remote controlled by some exotic intelligence. But, but you know, okay, well, let's move on to another one. I have talked at length on this podcast about this video you shot in 2015 of something that looks very much like we'll just say the rack from a pool table, in other words, a hollow <laughs> triangle that has a light at each point, and this thing comes in for a landing at Nellis Air Force Base. How would you describe that for people who don't have the advantage of seeing it right now? Sure, Josh. Well, what, you know, it's something I originally missed when I first published a video of that object. I didn't see the triangle part of it. And so I tried real hard to bring that out in the video recently when I noticed that, okay? So I would call it just a, just like you just gave it a great description, is a, the shape of a pool rack with pretty thin beams in between each point, three points of light, not all the same colors, um, and with almost a transparentness to it, and especially in the center, which seemed to be empty. And this is just what I saw. It was So it reminded you of a sideways pool rack or a billiards rack, um, except a little bit thicker, of course. 
So now uh, you met uh, – well, actually, I don't know if you did, but surely you have seen um, video of me talking with Sean Kevin Jason, who in 1996, I believe, he saw one of these huge triangular craft flying around the exact area where I discovered the time warp. And, oh, yes, um, yes. So, have, I mean, and have you uh, have you documented it, uh, uh, any of these sort of like V-shaped or triangular craft flying around here as well? Um, I have two of them coming out of Red Rock Canyon, but they're completely different. But listen to this one, Joshua. I can use this gentleman's name because he publicly admitted all of this to my um, a YouTube channel just a couple days ago. His name is Christopher Cabrera. He was a security guard at Nellis Air Force Base from 1998 to 2002 and had very strange experiences on that base while being a security guard. He's actually um, even got a big article. I recently uh, posted from my Facebook group and from my personal account his account of what happened but the reason he posted under my video he saw he said he one night and three of his fellow security personnel at Nellis saw something extremely similar to that sideways triangle those two words extremely similar Christopher Cabrera, I've got his phone number. I'm going to be talking to him, and he's going to tell me things that I don't know. Well, you know, I, I'm sure I've told you about the gigantic V-shaped craft that I and my friends saw fly over us in Laughlin, Nevada, a little over 10 years ago. We were outside with night vision goggles, and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And when this thing came over our heads, though, you know, I'm looking up and I, I'm thinking to myself, I don't feel like this is strictly man-made, but, but you, you don't know what you're looking at. And so maybe your imagination can go a little nuts. When you look at some of these things flying around, and I, and I know that this is, this is not really even a fair question, but, I mean, do you have an intuition about whether or not you're looking at something that could just be some unbelievable man-made experimental military aircraft versus something that has otherworldly intelligence? Yeah. Well, I don't think I probably do have that kind of intuition. I mean, what goes through my mind when I see these is where they are. Yeah. You know, in other words, first thing, like real estate, location, location, location. Where are they? If they are near a military base or out on a test range, my first assumption would be what if they are something that we have that's being tested? Mm -hmm. uh, the second assumption would be, well, okay, this is one of the big nuke bases in, the, in, the, in America. Maybe they could be ET. What, how are they behaving? Are they, are they the same as the ones I see a year ago or are they different? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. And what's really strange is that everything else that I have different kind of videos of that are away from those kind of areas, they are very different. They have very different characteristics about them. They can look like they almost have life to them. 
those two uh, triangles coming out of that Red Rock Canyon, Josh, mm-hmm. it, I swear they looked like they were alive and they were triangles. Yeah. Um, I have other ones that burn real brightly that are pacing. Uh, it's amazing. Just there's so many weird things that they do. And then they do something even weirder. One night I had some friends with me and we, we went out. We found a place to plant with a view that we could see right into Red Rock Canyon from the south. Uh, I think they call that um, Mountain's Edge in, in, in Las Vegas. And set up out there and we saw two lights come down and they stopped high up on La Madre Mountain and just sat there and they looked like they had little pink lights next to them. And then all of a sudden they started moving again. They turned orange like little orange flames, and then they just extinguished as they flew off. So there's so many weird things that happen around here. And as you mentioned earlier, too many people are looking at their cell phones and and not looking up. Yeah. And, And then also you have to have the experience that you've got to know that well, an airplane has a green light on the right wing tip and a red light on the left wing tip. And it's, you know, th- th- these kinds of analysis uh, that would be nece- necessary to go out and, and even tell the difference. I mean, heck, we have a giant pyramid here shooting a huge beam of light up into the sky. You don't see that everywhere in the world. And so um, it, you definitely feel, however, that it's possible that some of these things might actually be living or some kind of a hybrid of what we think of as organic and technological? I mean, for example, do you think that every single one of these has to have a little green man inside of the steering wheel, or are we possibly looking at something that's more advanced than that? I think we're looking at a combination here, Josh. I think we have a lot of these things that are reverse engineered and that we're using them. They're probably part part of a... uh, you know, even a space fleet that we keep hearing about. Um, I've seen such amazing things that it isn't hard to imagine that things like a space fleet is real. Um, I've also seen other things that act so weird or look so weird that maybe they have to be extraterrestrial. You know, you get where it's just when all you're looking at is light in motion and nothing physical, it but it's something that's happening for minutes on end, you have, to, you have to think that it must be extraterrestrial. You know, people talk about, like, well, what would I do if I had a time machine? And they never think about how cool it would be to go back a 1,000 years ago just to sit and look at the sky. And because now, I mean, it's harder than ever with some of the drones and stuff flying around to figure out what you see. Uh, and so wouldn't it be incredible if you saw something like this you have on video, you know, from a thousand years ago, you would say, okay, this is some, oh, some kind of other intelligence. And, and there are people who believe that, in often, uh, that often these things in many cases, are conscious sensitive, that you can go out there and you can telepathically interact with them. They, they are attracted to that, um, and it becomes a very spiritual sort of approach they take. What are your spiritual beliefs? You know, I, I have really weird spiritual beliefs. First of all, I, you know, like I said, I was a neglected kid. Everything I did, I had to do for myself. I mean, I had a job washing dishes at 10 years old. 
Mm-hmm. I delivered newspapers. I did everything to make my own money because I didn't get anything from my parents. But you know what? It, to me, it just I always knew that expression. It ain't rocket science. You know, do the right thing. So no matter what I did in life, I always try to do the right thing, even though I was a normal person that got in trouble once in a while or, you know, did something that was stupid. Um, but in general, just try to do the right thing. And um, spiritually, though, I didn't ever believe in God or anything. But infinity and outer space and the fact that there are, there were literally billions and billions of planets, I mean, I think it's during our lifetime that we realized that they're, oh, just right before maybe we were born, that they found out that, that, that there's a lot of galaxies and not just one. Um, that to me, Josh, I, I even as a little boy, I had the sense that life is teeming on our planet, and we are part of a larger system that must have the same thing throughout. So I've always believed in ET, and you know, time to us, well, time we say, oh, here we are in time. Technologically, we're right here, right now. But who's to say? that a billion years ago there was another galaxy somewhere right nearby where they were way advanced. So oh, yeah, and this could happen. be a, it could be like a big cosmic cycle, you know, and so but you would basically classify yourself as an atheist, is that correct? Yeah, I, I was always said I was an agnostic for a long time, but it really is more of an atheist because I think that if you speak of gods, and this is me, and I hope I don't offend anybody, because I, I, I stand for the right for anyone to believe anything they want to believe religiously, as long as it isn't violent. But, um, you know, to me, a god would be somebody that would be seen coming to this planet in a UFO and these, that have these magical powers to levitate gigantic boulders and, and megalithic stones and and things like that. I mean, you would think, well, that's a god. Right. But, you know, to me, I think they've been interfering with us from day one. And, you know, our DNA probably has some of that in it. Um, that's what I think. And they've been watching us. And I, I think they don't want us to destroy the planet. And I don't think there's just one kind. I think there's a, like the... Uh, the guy up in Canada, the uh, Ministry of Defense or whoever he was, said is there's a number of different aliens that are cataloged. Now, have I ever seen one? No. But I've seen their vehicles, I think. And, and you know, I think that's a really interesting point because there is this whole huge uh, population of people out there who who do believe that this is something divine. And it's, I think, interesting for you to be able to say, like, look, I'm not somebody who has an agenda, who's trying to prove some kind of spiritual thing. I'm just out there with my cameras seeing what I can see, you know, and I believe that's important to, again, help people understand the point of view that you're coming from. And, you know, over the years, I have been studying the Brown Mountain Lights phenomenon of Western North Carolina more than anybody else, really. I've written books about it. I own a website about it. And the Brown Mountain Lights are, they're, they're a puzzling phenomenon. I mean, for one thing, sometimes you just have what look like these sort of fluid, amorphous lights that move in 
well, you could almost say a playful way, almost as if they have a consciousness. And then in other cases, you think you see things that look more like defined UFOs, and people have talked about being abducted, and so it becomes this big sort of cornucopia of phenomena. But that said, when you look at, say, something along the lines of Brown Mountain or the Marfa Lights or the Hesselin Lights in Norway, when you look at some of these cases, um, do you think it's possible that some of the lights that you see here in this valley are some kind of a natural phenomenon, some kind of ball lightning or you know, something that's created by the dynamic geology here that you know you and i are here in this valley and yet right next to us is a mountain that's twelve thousand feet tall i mean it's pretty pretty dramatic how do you feel about this being a natural phenomenon in some cases i'm wide open to that joshua um i have a new friend on facebook who her husband and her jeff wool I, I, I hope i don't say it wrong wool wine there's one letter missing there i'm sorry but they've been documenting these things in Arizona for over 20 years. And one of the things they talk about is that these lights, what they claim are the, the, even the lights that I shoot video of, they come and go from the rocks themselves. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're going into the mountains and they're going into the ground. Now, I have not witnessed that, but I would not discount that just because I haven't seen it. Um, what I try to do is keep an open mind to things. And like I say, it drives me crazy when somebody, you know, in a different country is looking at one of my videos and said, that's what this is. And they're not here. You know, you have to see this. Um, Don't make a judgment so quick. I mean, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say, document them uh, because even if you don't know what they are, they are amazing. They're incredible. And they're things that we need to make sure that society knows that this stuff exists. And, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are debating what it is. And that's fine. I mean, I'll even help debate if I feel like I have enough information to put up a good argument. But, well, the good argument right now is that, you know, this is real. Um, what motivated me to do it uh, was so intense and so real that I decided I don't care if I'm ridiculed. I am going to stick with it. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to make mistakes. And even now, I'm going to make more mistakes. But I'll never, ever intentionally try to pull the wool over somebody's eyes. You know, it's just the wrong thing to do. And, you know, I wish our politicians were that way. And that <laughs> yeah, no, all of them. I wish the whole nation would start dropping all of the nonsense and let's get together and be friends again. You know, I, I've lived, I've been a logger, living in a tiny little mountain town, living in a mobile home, logging, uh, down in New Mexico, logging. I've worked in the sawmills. I've hammered nails. And I've worked in high tech. I even worked in a disco once, man. I've been in both worlds, and I I want people to just drop the nonsense, get your faces out of the telephones, go out, look up in the sky, and realize a lot of this stuff that we're being fed down here is is phony baloney. 
Well, you know, there are lots of weird stories and conspiracies around the Vegas area, even in the creepy Vegas ghost and UFO show. You know, it's 60 minutes, and we don't have time to cover everything. But one of the things, for example, you told me about were these stories going back to the 60s about the, the tall whites, which are these big, pale-skinned aliens that would even, according to rumors, come down and shapeshift or disguise themselves as humans and play in the casinos. <laughs> and You get all these crazy <laughs> stories. But, but the reality is um, whatever is being covered up around here – the government owns approximately 86% of the state of Nevada, more than any other state. And we know there's a lot of secret research that's being done here. And regardless of what you're documenting, they should be interested in what you're doing. Because if the government uh, doesn't have an explanation for a lot of these things you're seeing, they're going to be curious, just as curious as you and I are about what these things are, because they've got to be picking them up on their instruments as well. On the other hand, if they know what these are, and they're supposed to be secret, and yet a guy like you can go out on his, his deck at night and capture them, they need to worry a little bit about that, because they're not doing a good enough job at covering them up. So all that said, regardless of what's happening here, you'd think the government, uh, so to speak, and uh, speaking broadly, would be interested in your work. So that said, do you feel like that you have ever been monitored by, you know, men in black or any of these other types of, you know, spooky individuals that uh, keep an eye on people who are poking around too much in classified areas? Uh, only two different times, and, 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 not, and, and it was just momentary. One time I was shooting video, and I was shooting what I think was in a UFO, quite a distance off, aiming from my deck towards downtown Las Vegas, and there was a helicopter in the area, and it kept coming by, and three times in a row it shone the spotlight on me in my own backyard, and I said it on video, here it comes. I caught it. I said, here it comes. They're going to get me again. And they did. And it was right as I was shooting video. Okay, so that could have been a huge coincidence, Joshua. I just let it go. And nothing ever happened again. I don't ever see strange vehicles in front of my house or anything. I don't even worry about it. You know, I'm a veteran. I put in my time. I'm not claiming any conspiracy. I'm just saying something weird's going on. Let's find out what it is. You know, and I, I did worry about them for a while, um, but there was a lot of activity that I was shooting video of at Nellis, and I decided one night I'm they're probably monitoring my phone by now or my my email or whatever if they're smart, and you know I thought if I'm going to do something or I want to meet somebody somewhere I can't tell them where I'm going to go. Well, I told my wife one night, I'm going to go over to the apex area of Las Vegas, which is just outside of the border to Nellis. And you can see basically everything from right there. And I, I called one friend, a, a lady friend who has videos from the daytime here of orbs going up through the clouds, just really good videos. And I said, just so somebody else knows, I'm just telling you I'm going to be there. So anyway, I get over there. Uh, it's where all of the people ride there, ATVs and everything. And 
by the time it's getting dark, there's only a couple more cars there, and they kind of, they finally leave, and I'm the only one there. And I have my camera out, and I'm not seeing anything, not even any airplanes, Josh. And I'm waiting. I got the camera ready, and it's kind of spooky because you're out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. But all of a sudden, I see a truck coming down Las Vegas Boulevard because that's where it intersects with the freeway. I don't know if people even know it does that, but it does it by Nellis. And they're shining their spotlight around. And then it hits me, but it seems to be random again, and they keep they come off into the dirt, but they park about 200 yards away from me. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm on public lands. You know, I'm just waiting for something to happen, see if anything's going to happen there. And all of a sudden, I hear my doors lock and my lights start flashing on my car. And I, I initially, my first thought was, you know how you set off your alarm in your pocket with your key ring? I thought yeah. I did something like that, and I reach in, and I'm, like, very relieved that I hadn't locked, left my keys in my car because I would have been locked out. And so, anyway, I lock it again, and all of a sudden, it does it again. Then again, and then by the fifth time, now I have my hearing in my hand because I've hit all the buttons, made sure nothing's stuck, and I'm looking at them, and it happens again, and I just start laughing. I'm thinking, all right. Those two guys, they're camo dudes. They're in a white Ford pickup coming from Nellis. They're, they know I'm going to be there or, or somehow they come there all the time and they see what I'm doing with my tripod and they're trying to scare me away. And it, it was spooky. I mean, but it, I didn't think it was aliens trying to scare me away. Um, so I waited about 20 more minutes, nothing, not even an airplane. And I decided hell with it. I, I packed everything up, and I went, and I, as I was leaving, I was relieved to be in the car and rolling. But when I left, I decided, well, I'm just going to go right by them and try to look in the window. I couldn't even see in their windows. It was, like, blacked out. So I hit the freeway and just went home. But that was the, that was the only event, really, the only event that I knew that they were really trying to scare me. Other than that, nothing. And it, that's led me to believe that there is this slow drip of information coming out through the Navy, through the, the Tic Tac, but, but never anything big enough to really tell us the juicy good stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and also, um, like I say, you are valuable regardless of what's happening because you are a litmus test. You are feedback for for the military because they can use you as a civilian judge of some of these things, frankly. Um, and so let's say you got a knock on the door tomorrow and you opened it up and lo and behold, it's Bill Gates. And he says, I'm sorry to show up unannounced, but you know, he comes in and he says, I love the work that you're doing so much that Mr. Barone, I want to give you an unlimited budget to do whatever you want to experiment for research uh, do you have any anything you would do under those circumstances? Is there an experiment that you would like to see done or an observatory put up? Or what would you do if you had that opportunity, Steve? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. Um, first of all, like you say, you've been here. You know that I have a pretty damn good view. And if I got up 20 feet higher, mm -hmm. the view would be 
phenomenal. He would, there wouldn't be anything that I don't think I could see, or, or even if it was at the top of my roof. Uh, Joshua, you know how they have these security systems now where they can have cameras that survey your whole, you know, your whole property? I would just have a different array of cameras that were on my roof that were all weather that could see anywhere in a 360-degree area. So that would be, you know, all of Red Rock Canyon, all of the Spring Mountains, all of the Sheep Mountains, the Las Vegas Mountains, you know, Sun, Sunrise Mountain, and all the mountains across the valley over near Anderson, um, and run that thing 24-7 and use that, uh, that technology that I hear that's already available that can uh, eliminate things like airplanes, um, birds, and things like that, and save only the things that aren't. And make it HD, unlimited. Yeah, you know, HD, man, super HD. I, I think they even have 8K now. Well, I've and got can, my fingers. You can off. operate it from inside, oh, inside of your home, though. I mean, it is good to get out, but you know, the reality is, is there's cold, there's heat, there's bugs, there's smoke in the air. There's there's so many things that are negatives that if you're doing it over a long period of time, I kept having these bites on me, you know, or like little welts and stuff. And I was like, what's that from? But it, what it, was, it was bugs. Because as soon as I stopped doing that, I, I stopped having those, those bites. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I got my fingers crossed that Bill Gates is listening to the, to the podcast here and is feeling generous. And, you know, it's funny because it's easy to underestimate yourself. I know that you are a modest guy, but the, the very first step in the scientific process is observation, just paying attention. You can't figure out anything unless you put in the time and you observe. And it's very, very important to be the type of person who observes things credibly and then presents them so selflessly to the rest of the world. And so what would you like your legacy to be? Okay, we, we're talking about in 100 years. Oh, Steve Barone, what do you want people to say about the work that you're, you're doing? Um, well, if it's just the work. I mean, first of all, I'd like people to say that I was a fair person that always tried to help people and do the right thing. Um, in terms of UFOs, though, I just hope that they know that there was a fraction of what I did that helped bring foreclosure uh, forward. And that, you know, Josh, I, I, I feel sad, you know, when people die. They're people that were in families and they were loved and they were great at something. They could draw or they could play the banjo, whatever. They were fabulous people, but a generation later, they're forgotten because they don't really have legacy. And, you know, not everybody has this thing that happens to them. So for me, I'm pretty sure that even when I'm gone, that this stuff's going to be available. And hopefully by then, there will be a lot more added to it. Um, my Guess what, man? For Thanksgiving, my grandkids were here. And Caitlin, who has just turned 13 uh, recently, she didn't realize how involved I was in this, and she subscribed to my YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) My grandpa is pretty cool. So, hey, if it's even just my two grandkids saying, you know what, I have the coolest grandpa of anybody, then I'm happy with that. 
Well, that says a lot. And, you know, we're getting short on time here. Speaking of your YouTube channel, uh, I want to give you a moment to tell everybody a little bit more about it. Just plug whatever you want to. The floor is yours. Oh, sure. Thanks, Josh. Well, if you want to find it, uh, YouTube or uh, Google seems to be kind of uh, funny about things sometimes. So the easiest way to find my channel is do the Twitter hashtag, but to do Twitter hashtag, so hashtag UFOs over Vegas, and do a search. And if you look, just search, or even search for videos. Either way, you're going to find me real easy. That works with UFOs over Vegas, so hashtag UFOs over Vegas, hashtag Las Vegas UFOs, and hashtag UFOs over Area 51. Those three hashtags all work. I'd stay away from the Area 51 one, just Las Vegas UFOs with the hashtag in front of it, or UFOs over Vegas with the hashtag in front of it. And, uh, of course, I, I want to reiterate, if you go to Steve's channel, don't just look at videos. Subscribe, because you want to be one of the very first people in the world who gets to see some of this stuff that's breaking. I mean, my God, we live in this Internet age You know, when you have the ability to enjoy this information at light speed wherever you are in the world. And so take advantage of it. Subscribe to that. But you know what, Steve? The clock has got us. but let me just say that the work you're doing is invaluable, and it says a hell of a lot that a dedicated, rational, independent researcher can get out there night after night and properly document and dissect so many things that would otherwise just sort of get lost in the noise of this distracted city. So you're doing a fantastic job. I know that we will have many more adventures together and reports to share with everybody in the near future. I sincerely thank you for the work that you have done and are doing, and thank you for being on my program tonight. Well, it's been an honor, Josh. Thank you so much. You're the one that's helping me get the word out, so you are a big part of this. All right. We will definitely see each other again soon. Folks, there you have it. That was... Steve Barone, UFOs over Vegas. And, of course, if you go to my Twitter uh, account, at Joshua P. Warren, I will have a link to his uh, page there and all his information. Uh, obviously, you know, my website is just joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, click the link to this podcast called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short, it's always free, commercial-free, uncensored, independent. You can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter, again, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will usually tweet when a new one is available. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.